I think it's really important to start with your personal goals. What do you want your life to look like next year and five years from now and in retirement? And I'm talking about personal goals like family goals, social goals, hobby goals, athletic goals, health and fitness goals, spiritual goals, educational goals. And once you really figure out what you want your life to look like, then figure out what do I have to do in my business to achieve that lifestyle? And now those business goals become truly motivating. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Welcome to Superhumans at Work by Mind Valley. I'm your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and before we get started, tell me, if you could change anything in your life, what would it be? Would it be your body, your career, your relationships? Thankfully, you don't have to choose. As a Mind Valley member, you'll get instant access to the wisdom of world-class personal growth teachers and programs that can evolve you in every way for just $2 a day. Are you ready to make a change? Start transforming your life today at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. Today, we're going to go deep into goal setting. We have Kevin Shulman here, who is actually a president, coach, author, speaker, working at Shulman and Associates and running a Sandler training center where he trains business owners, sales managers, and salespeople full-time, help them grow their business, reach their full potential. He is the author of the book, Goal Setting Bootcamp, where we're going to be focusing our content today. He will be providing practical how-to advice on how to set goals. What are the common mistakes we make in our goal setting methodologies? And particularly, how do we translate things that we have in our personal goals into making sure that we have success in our businesses as well? Now, he has been an active volunteer for the Sloan Ketting Cancer Center in New York. He's former president of EEI and one of the premier networking groups for executives in New Jersey. And he's here to share his wisdom around goal setting. Kevin, welcome to the show. And it's my pleasure to be here. Looking forward to it. Now, you've been working at training individuals, obviously being a president or a manager here at the Sandler Training in New Jersey for over 30 years. What have you noticed being the gap in the goal setting space? Because I've assumed that most of the trainings you would be offering would be very technical, yet goal setting seems to be a little more holistic. It is. And goal setting is the thing. Everybody walks around with these visions in their head. Someday I want to be a millionaire, although that's what we used to say when I was a kid. Today, everybody says someday I want to be a billionaire. (laughs) What a difference a bunch of years makes. But almost everybody I've ever interviewed for a sales job, and I've hired quite a few in my career, one of their first questions is, how do I get to $100,000? Like, that's a magic number. And everyone has these kind of numbers in their head, but they don't stop and think about, how do I do it? And how do I get there? And most importantly, once I set a goal... How do I take responsibility to do it? Because responsibility is just not enough of it around. Accountability, responsibility are two important things. And in fact, with goal setting, having an accountability partner really helps. Having somebody that you talk to them and commit to them about what your goals are and ask them to help you and talk to you about it along the way that helps. There are a lot of little things you can do that maybe we'll talk about as we go along. 
Of course, I'd love to. And I have to admit, I've had a group of gentlemen that we meet on a weekly basis to discuss our goals. We think that it's very important to have that kind of accountability group. So definitely relate to that idea. And when you speak about when we're setting goals, it seems like if you're getting into growth, you want to hit goals. People say like, yeah, set goals. It's important, you know, smart goals, all different types of goal setting methodologies. Yet, of course, we have that common slip up. We have that common effect where most people might give up on their goals, maybe even feel uninspired by this goal. Have you noticed a lot of these typical pitfalls as we go into setting a goal or even as we continue to pursue them? There's no question. There's so many common mistakes. The first, of course, is setting goals on New Year's Eve. Setting a goal while you're drunk is probably not the best idea. And they're usually goals like, I want to lose some weight, or I want to go to the gym and get in shape, or this is the year I'm going to work harder at my sales job, and I'm going to really outsell everybody else, and I'm going to really start performing at a higher level. And then you wake up the next morning, start to sober up, and first of all, you've half forgotten it, and by the end of January, it's gone, because you haven't done anything about it. And one of the points I like to make is that goal setting is serious business. It's not something you do when you're drunk. It's something you need to take some time, sit down. I like to say sit down with a spouse or significant other if you have one. If not, maybe a very close friend. And sit down and really talk about and think through what are the things that are important to you? What do you really want to achieve? And I always say in the next year, five years, and in retirement, three different groups, the short-term goals, anything up to a year. And then anything over that, but up to five years, long-term goals, and then retirement goals. And even when we're your age, you should have retirement goals. Well, actually, that brings me to something I'd love to hear from you, which is you've been doing this training. You have just released this book around goal setting. How did you get into being so passionate around this area of goal setting? Have you always been someone that sets goals since you're in your early 20s? Or is this something that you developed and noticed the difference when you did apply? Well, there's a great story. And as it turns out, I'm going to tell you the end first. The story turns out to be urban legend. But the story got a lot of publicity back in the 70s. And everybody took it as gospel. And the thing is, it could be true. And the story was what's now known as the Yale study. Unfortunately, nobody at Yale has any record of it. But the Yale study, they started a longitudinal study, a long-term study with the graduating class of Yale. I think it was 1958. And we would assume that's a bright group of people. And they asked them about 100 questions. and. Two of them were, do you currently have long and short-term goals? And do you currently have plans to achieve those goals? And of the graduating class of Yale, most people are surprised to hear it was only 4% that said yes to both those questions. Then they went back 20 years later in 1978. They asked those same group of people a new set of 100 questions. But one of those questions was, what's your current net worth, assets over liabilities? And when they went back and crunched all the data, it turns out that the 4% who had written long and short-term goals and written plans had a net worth that was greater than the other 96% combined. And that, of course, got my attention. And, and that was kind of when I became a goal setter. Ever yep. since then, it's been a bit of a passion. I like to read about it. I love goal setting success stories. And I've been teaching it and growing my methodology, which 
quite frankly, is probably an amalgam of a number of others. You mentioned SMART goals, which is an abbreviation, and I made them SMARTies. I added a Y and an S. And if you want, we can chat about that. But the reality is you have to have a methodology because goal setting works in your subconscious, not your conscious mind, not your unconscious mind, but that kind of middle ground. So first of all, your goals have to be believable. Your subconscious has to believe it's doable. If I just walk around saying I'm going to be a billionaire someday, I did send off a proposal to Melinda Gates now that she's single, but I don't think it's really going to work. By the way, my wife would understand. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I want to dig into that a little more because if you think about, and especially in the space of more spiritual realms, we talk a lot about manifesting and you talk about setting really big audacious goals, which seems to have its merit because you'll make some actions that might be bigger steps if you set bigger goals. Yes. But have you noticed the backfire of setting goals that are so outrageous, so unrealistic? It must have some sort of negative effect on your psyche at some point. Well, I'll address that in a second. I've been running an annual goal setting program for my clients, an all day program. And I had somebody come in, it was their second year. And they said, this stuff doesn't work. And I said, okay, what do you mean? He said, last year I set 27 goals and I only made 24 of them. So you see, this doesn't work. Now, everybody else in the class was kind of looking like you were. And I said, okay, so tell me about the three you didn't hit. And he said, well, I came really close on two of them, but one of them I missed by a mile. So you see, it doesn't work. I don't know about you, but if I make 23 out of 27 goals, I'm pretty damn satisfied. Yeah. (laughs) So a little bit of it is psychological. And I don't think there's anything wrong with setting some very, very ambitious goals. And if you fall short, you've still done really well and exceeded where you were expected to be. I do a program with my clients called the Business Doubler. And I talk about that in the book as a way to double your business in a year. Now, the first thing is you have to believe you can double your business in a year. Now, most people don't believe they can and they don't take the exercise very seriously. I've got one client who I work with privately, and we've doubled his business from 2 million to 4, 4 to 8, 8 to 16, and 16 to 32 in the last four years. Now, that's pretty amazing to get from 2 million to 32 in four years. But the thing is, he absolutely believes it and is committed to it and willing to do whatever it takes. And he writes out very detailed plans for how to do it. And those plans become a living document that he visits and revisits every week. Mm. And if he just said, oh, someday I want to be a $30 million company, maybe he'd get there, maybe not, but he wouldn't get there in four years. That's for sure. Before we continue, I just want to tell you a little bit about Mindvalley membership. For all of you personal development junkies like me out there, growing in one area of your life just isn't enough. That's why we made Mindvalley membership to bring you the best personal growth programs on the planet so you can evolve every day in every way. Whether you want to get crazy fit, build a business, or manifest more money in your life, there's a quest for that. And now you can access every single one for just $2 a day. So if you're striving to become the best self and live the life you deserve, try out Mindvalley membership at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. Now, I have a feeling that it's maybe not the best thing to, you know, I'm listening to this podcast and listening to this. I'm like, wow, okay, goal setting. I'm in. I want 
Now I'm just going to go and grab a piece of paper and just start writing down some goals. Are there some fundamental things that we should be addressing before we go into writing out these goals to make them more believable, to have more, call it momentum behind any goal that we set down? So I think there's a few things in answer to that. One is, yeah, you can start by just sitting down and writing down some goals. Absolutely. But then you've got to organize them a little bit. And I think one of the biggest mistakes is most people start with their business goals. I want to make X dollars next year. I want to get this kind of a raise. I want to sell this much, whatever it is in their business. And the problem is, first of all, most business goals are given to people by their boss. There's somebody else's goals to start with. But even if they say, I want to sell X, it's just a number. And a number by itself is not overly motivating. I think it's really important to start with your personal goals. What do you want your life to look like next year and five years from now and in retirement? And I'm talking about personal goals like family goals, social goals, hobby goals, athletic goals, health and fitness goals. I'm a wine collector, so I have wine goals. My wife has shoe goals. I joke about that. She would like it if she heard me say that. And I say it somewhat facetiously, spiritual goals, educational goals. And once you really figure out what you want your life to look like, then figure out what do I have to do in my business to achieve that lifestyle? And now those business goals become truly motivating. Mm, That's really interesting because if you have personal goals, let's say you have a lifestyle that you're looking to have that has lots of freedom, a lot of automation, not a lot of stress you would probably have some very different business goals than someone who wants to accumulate a massive amount of personal wealth to be able to take care of their entire community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. I have a client right now, I just got an email from him today, and he was setting some goals and I said, okay, why? What's the why behind all that? And they were really ambitious goals. And this is someone who does reasonably well now. And we're talking about a two-year plan to get to serious dollars. Mm. And he said, because I want to seriously get into philanthropy. Mm. Now that's motivating. He knows what he wants to donate to. And he knows his way that he wants to help the world. And he knows that's going to take a lot of money. And it's going to take a lot of financial freedom on his part to be able to do it. That's really interesting because a lot of the goals that we might be inheriting don't even come from ourselves. Let's say you're starting a business and people saying they want to make a billion, or let's say you're saying, I want to be able to make $10 million. I want to be able to have all this impact. Yet I feel like our culture is almost conditioning us to just do big things. And sometimes that might not even align to our own values. So what are some of the practical things that we could do when we get to this goal setting to understand that, Hey, is it coming truly from you? I remember doing a goal setting exercise only to review them a year later and realize, wow, each of my goals that I've set are actually based on what I think other people would expect me to set as a goal. It didn't even come from me. It's amazing how much what I call head trash. I define head trash as all that crap between your ears that keeps you from being as successful as you could be or should be. And sometimes I don't use the word crap, but we're on your podcast. So I've got some reason. In any case, It's important to stop and think about what's really important to me. So I suggest in my book, the boot camp is a four-day process. Actually, it's a three-day process with an extra day for salespeople. And the first day is doing a value audit and really going through a series of exercises to figure out what is really important to me, what's more important to my life. 
And for some people, when you really stop and think about it, it's not that important. An interesting little example, I was asked to do a program on work-life balance. I'm still not sure why I was asked to do that because that's not really my expertise, but I was asked to do that for, this will sound impressive, not as impressive as it sounds, for the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. And I'm out in Ohio doing this talk for a couple of hundred attorneys. And the interesting thing about elder law attorneys is almost all of them are either sole practitioners or in very small practices. The mega law firms don't have a department of elder law. They're starting to now, but this was eight or 10 years ago. So it's a growing field in law. And I started by asking them two questions. I said, let's start with jot down what are the three things in life that are most important to you and circle the one that's most important. And I said, how many of you wrote down the word family or its equivalent? And 95% of the hands went up. And I said, okay, how many of you would self-describe as workaholics, meaning you work over 50 hours a week? 95% of the hands went up. And I said, so let's start out by saying you're all full of crap in the first place. Because if family really was more important and you really did want to spend more time with them, You could. You could choose to take on fewer cases, make a little less money, work a little less hard. You have that freedom as sole practitioners. You could spend more time with your family. So you've got to figure out what really is important to you. For some of you, maybe what's most important is providing for your family. For some of you, maybe you just had a major aha moment and realized that you should start working less. And then I said another point, which got a little chuckle. I said, first of all, what makes you so sure that those people want to spend more time with you? But it was a good question. And all of that led to a lot of conversation because people say they want work-life balance, but they don't want to give up the work part. It's nice to say that, but is that really what they want? Or is that what's just socially acceptable to say? Mm. That touches on something that hits home too, because I feel like we're all striving to do what is quote unquote good. What is good based on a societal standard? I need to work harder because this would be the good thing to do. Oh, people will look at me if I don't work so hard, they'll judge me. And so in the process of doing the goal setting, you have to kind of take away that garbage thinking, as you say. And is that where the values come into play? Is that where you can have a bit of grounding of understanding where your priorities sit? It's amazing. I was out with somebody recently who recently got through med school and realized he wanted to be a physician, but he wants no part of working hard. And he wants no part of being on call at night. And he wants no part of working Saturdays and Sundays. He doesn't want to deal with emergencies. And he says at the same time, but I don't have to make the million dollars that the orthopedic surgeon makes every year. And so he's found a branch of medicine where it's really a nine to five job, five days a week, and he gets a paycheck. And it's a nice paycheck, but it's not a nice paycheck. And he's happy and he's happy because he really knows himself, but it's hard socially to say, I want to be a doctor, but I don't want to work hard. Yeah. Because then you'd have the judgments that come with it. But then at the same time, if this person has that clarity, now they get to make a decision that makes them happy and call it quote unquote selfish. I don't think that's the case. Instead, it's just self-care, knowing what they want and finding a structure that supports it. Yeah. Somewhere it says first know thyself and it's important. But some people are pressured. How many people whose parents own a business get pressured to be in the family business? That may or may not be what they want to do. And 
that's okay, but you've got to have enough self-respect and forcefulness to be able to push back sometimes. Now, in your method, you've mentioned it a few times, and I want to bring it back. You talk about these different time spaces that people can set goals. So you've gotten some work into knowing yourself, understanding a bit of your values, and now you feel that you're ready to maybe come from a place of heart, let's say, and set these goals in different areas of your personal life and professional life. You speak of the one-year, 10-year, and then even at the retirement level, are you noticing some major differences in those timescapes or difficulties people have with these various time zones? It's very age-dependent. When you're my age, I'm now a whole lot closer to retirement. Retirement is easy to think about. When mm. you're 20, it's a little harder to think about. And when you're 10, it's hard to think past tomorrow. And when you're my grandson, who's four, he has a hard time thinking past dinner. But it's important once you get to be, however we want to define an adult, 16, 18, 20, to start thinking about retirement and start thinking about long-term goals. Yeah, career is important to think about when you're young. It's real important to think about. But choosing a career, why that career and what do you want it to lead you to? And starting to think about it. And do you want to do X or do you want to own the business that does X? And that's a whole different thing. I had a young girl tell me she wanted to be a beautician. She wanted to get into hair and nails. And I said, that's great. And that's a wonderful thing. And you can go to tech school for that and all of that. But did you ever think about owning the salon? This was a young girl. And she said, wow, that I never thought about that. I said, well, if you never think about it, then you never get past being the beautician. If you think about it, it's something you can aspire to, and then you can become anything you want. Then if you want, you can say, I want to own a string of salons. Then you can say, I want to be Vidal Sassoon and have a global empire. It doesn't matter what the goals are, but you should have them. Because if you don't, you end up just part of a process. A very wise man who happened to be named Dave Sandler always used to say, you're either a part of your own plan or you're a part of someone else's. Mm. And I'd rather be a part of my plan. Well, this touches on what you were mentioning earlier in the call, which is all about this responsibility. We almost have to take that responsibility of setting our own goals, else we'll be some driftwood into a series of other people that have more goals, which kind of brings me to this aspect that business owners are almost forced to set goals because they have to manage a living asset. Do you notice that when you work with individuals, there's a high probability that they have less goals than business owners just because we don't need to flex that muscle, we could say? Well, I know a lot of business owners who are great at goal setting for their business, but not for their personal life. Mm. And they end up being workaholics. And I have one client who oh, happens to be the client that went from $2 million to $30 million in four years, mm -hmm. right? I've known him for 20 years that he's been a client. As far as I know, he's never taken a vacation of more than a long weekend. Now, he makes good money. He can afford to travel any place he wants, but he is so embedded in work and work is his life that the thought of going away for a week scares the crap out of him. And he can't even imagine it, let alone set a goal. And I knew someone else who also was a workaholic through his life and always said, well, when I retire, I'll do all that travel. You can't work six days a week, 10 plus hours a day, never taking a vacation and think that all of a sudden you can flip a switch and just relax and travel throughout the world and have the life of Riley. I don't think people can switch like that. 
I would assume most of the people would not even choose retirement if that's the lifestyle that they've been living so far. It's almost like it would carry on. There are and some people that get carried out of the office. If it's a conscious choice, then there's nothing wrong about it, right? And I can just think of somebody like an Elon Musk who's working all the time. Absolutely. Obviously had some issues with burnout, but he's motivated by his big why. And this is a choice that he seems to be making somewhat consciously. And then at that point, this comes back to the values we talked about at the beginning is that if this is really what you want to do, it comes with certain sacrifices in other areas and you have to kind of make peace with that, right? Great example. I joked earlier about Bill and Melinda, but look at how he was able to step away from his business and dive into philanthropy and set up his charitable organization. And that's become a new full-time job for both of them. And it's incredible the amount of work that they've been able to do. By the way, people think it's easy to give away money. It's not so easy. Mm. We had a guest on the podcast speaking about the problems of philanthropy and how it's actually really hard to give the money, which was a bit of a mind-blowing concept for most people, but it is I, true. I knew someone who did that, and I told him I wanted to be him when I grow up. And he said, be very careful what you wish for. For every person who I'm able to hand a big check to and change their lives and do some good for the world and fund some research, he said, for every one of those, there are 20 that are just as qualified that I have to say no to. Mm. And he said, it's a very painful exercise that he does every year. Now, when you go through the boot camp, people go and set some goals. Now you have that special day, the number four, right? Which is specific for the business owners and sales professional. What are the extra things that you do with them when it comes to goal setting that makes it so important? Well, it's first going through all of the personal goals because it's tying the two together. Most people I said, start with business goals and that's the mistake. Start with your personal life, then figure out what you need your business to do. And once you do that, then start to put all the plans in place. For your personal goals, the planning, it may take me half a page to a page to put down the plan for how I'm going to achieve, how I'm going to spend more time in my hobby or accomplish more socially or whatever it is, or even if it's buy a bigger house. It's not a huge plan to do that. But in my business life, if I want to really grow my company, that's serious plan. And it involves a whole lot of other people, not just me. And I have to really put all that together and think it through. And by the way, really interesting for the business owners and managers that are out there. One of the mistakes we tend to make is every year, particularly our sales department, we give them their goals. We don't like to use the word quotas anymore. We we call them target, whatever we call them. It's your number that you've got to get. And the problem is that's your number, not theirs. And if they don't buy into it, by the middle of January, they're behind their target. They start to say, well, that wasn't a realistic goal anyway, and they give up on it. Mm -hmm. Way better is to sit down as their manager or their employer and have a conversation with them that says, where do you want to be? And what do you want your life to look like a year from now, five years from now and in retirement? And really care when you ask the question. Now, I can't demand that they share their personal goals with me, but I can ask. And what's really amazing is that just by asking the question, you're implying that you want to help them get there. And as soon as they understand that you want to help them get to their goals, they'll be more willing to help you get to yours and they'll work harder for your goals. Hmm. And it's almost magic. And every once in a while, you really get lucky 
and you find someone who says, five years from now, I want to be you. And you find the person that really wants to be your successor and wants you to mentor them, but they never knew how to ask you for that. That's how wonderful is that when you find that? And it happens. And the other thing is to sit down with them and ask them what they think they should be able to do next year based on what they accomplished last year. Obviously, there should be some growth. What did they think they can do? And what's really interesting is most people will put a higher goal on themselves than you would have put on. And so that's the magic, because obviously, if you don't have the buy in, you don't have the motivation. And as long as it's their goal that they came up with, they've got to buy in. Exactly. And then it's easier to hold them accountable because it was their number. They can never say, wait a minute, it's not fair. It wasn't my number. And it works. And it really does work. I love this. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of this wisdom around goal setting. For those of you tuning in, definitely pick up a copy of Goal Setting Bootcamp, which is going to take you step by step through the process on how you can be more effective in setting both your personal and business goals. As we discussed today, we went into so many different topics, but the most important things that I know I retained is just don't forget the personal goals. They're more important to start with than the business goals, because once you have that foundation together, you can have a better clarity on where you should take your business to meet where you want to have your personal goals be achieved. We talked a lot about some of these full pause that happen, which is, yeah, New Year's Eve comes up. Not a good time to set goals. If you've had a few drinks yourself, it's an important process. It's a very serious process. And when you actually set it properly, you'll realize that those with those goals tend to have much more success in life, but not just in setting the goals, but making a plan in accomplishing them. So Kevin really stressed that this responsibility and accountability we need to have with the goals that we set is crucial to get us closer towards achieving them. Yes, these goals can shift and move throughout the process. And that's okay. The moment you do set them, you take bolder actions. Even if you set a bold goal that you end up failing, it still makes you take some steps in a particular way. Of course, the key here is not making a goal that's so big. It's how much do you believe of it being possible? This belief is actually critical for you to make some steps towards making those goals be accomplished. Because if you don't have that belief, then it's just a number you've painted down where no actions can actually follow. So definitely take the time. If this is a reminder for you to look back at your goal list, take that time to do that now. If you haven't been somebody setting up goals, this would be a great time to pick up the goal setting bootcamp book so you can go through that process, or at least start with making a list of goals that you have, and then start having a bit of this inspiration from listening to this to start organizing, sorting them, and putting more efforts into making a plan to make those goals a reality. Kevin, thank you so much again for coming on the show and sharing all this incredible wisdom and all you superhumans out there. Thanks for tuning in. Jason, this was a pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you haven't signed up already, be sure to check out Valley membership. Besides getting unlimited access to our top-rated programs and trainers, you'll also join an incredible supportive community on our new Connections app. This is basically a global campus where you find like-minded friends, mentors, and accountability partners from around the world online or get together at local meetups. If you want education that connects you with kindred spirits and transforms you from the inside out, join the tribe at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman today. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.